0: Welcome to For The Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an injector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode hey guys welcome back to season three of for the record we are on episode four and it's thanksgiving week around here we have lots to be thankful for and so today's episode is going to really focus on family and about being a working mother in a very busy industry with a lot going on and keeping it all together and we have with us today a physician associate who is fellowship trained from the beautiful orlando florida um Alexis Bowie is with us here today, who is under the purview of Larry Blevins and under Danny Soares in, in Orlando. So she's got some giants that she's with every day in um, a great practice there. She's building a booming business. She's a new mom um, of a 15-month-old little girl, also owns a few gyms, and is just a busy, busy chick. So And by the way, her fitness level is out of this freaking world. So you guys, if you haven't followed her yet, go look at her post. She is like a brick shithouse. So anyway, Alexis, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor. I mean, the lineup of aesthetic experts that you've had on here. It's just, it's pretty, pretty cool to be asked and chosen to be on here. So thank you so much for the invite. It's it's an honor, truly. Well, I'm glad you're here because
0: you had a really cool angle. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about in the podcast what's people's story? You know, what's their thing? And you mentioned in, in all of your talks with us about you know, being a mom and having a family and what that means to you and, and really how that's affected your decisions as you go into aesthetics. And so I want to kind of rewind back to before you were a mom, we'd like to set the stage here, before you took on that, that amazing journey that I know is very challenging, what was it like to get into aesthetics? You have been here for just a few years. Give us, a, give us just an idea of where you are in your journey today.
1: Yeah, so I started out as a cardiology PA. And I did that for several, several years and then decided to leave corporate medicine and make a hard left and open up a gym, nearly gave my mom a heart attack, saying I was going to stop being a PA and open up a gym. But I decided to open up a group fitness studio and several years later, I opened up a second one. And then once those were up and running, I kind of had this calling to go back into medicine, but this time in aesthetic medicine and I was lucky enough to be the first PA accepted into the AFAM program, which is American Foundation for Aesthetic Medicine. And it's a six month fellowship program run by Dr. Danny Soros and Larry Blevins. And it's a complete intense aesthetic fellowship, exactly what you would think. I mean, I was trained from injectables to lasers to observerships in facial plastics with Dr. Soares. I mean, it was the most beautiful fellowship ever. It was six months and it truly just prepared me to be the aesthetic provider that I am. And fast forward a couple of years, I'm still a provider with um, the VIP group. Um, We are based out of Orlando, Florida, and I am still running my gyms. I'm still a wife. I'm still a mom and I'm juggling a million things every single day. But I honestly wouldn't change it for the world. It's it's a, an incredible life, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I
0: think it's interesting. I talk a lot about the residency and the fellowship years for physicians. Um, when you work in pharmaceuticals and you go from being in the sales team where you make a whole bunch of money to going to corporate, you take a huge pay cut. we always, always would say, oh, it's your fellowship year, right? You do that pay cut to learn in hopes that you're going to get a much bigger, better job after. It's just like what you suffer through to get there. And, you know, physicians are kind of used to that. You know, you don't get paid for five or six more, seven more years until you can go out on your own. But we don't usually hear this for nurses and PA. So you chose to do that and made that decision to kind of take a step back for six months and learn. And I know Larry, and he's, uh, I just texted him this morning to tell him you were on the show today. I mean, he's a hard nose, right? He wants you to be perfect at everything and train and the grind. And, you know, we talk a lot about education. But what was it like actually making that choice the day-to-day of being in a fellowship um, of learning, of being next to somebody, and and not being able to make money um, during that, t- the same kind of money, at least, during that time, because you were actually learning instead. Because I think it's a decision people have to make, right? We want to know, yeah. should I make that, that decision to stop and train? Or do I just say, forget it, I'll learn as I go on the job? Like, what was your decision to do that versus just opening up a med spa and, you know, starting on your own?
1: Well, let me tell you, I'll take it one step further. I found, I was trying to get into aesthetics, and I realized, wow, like I can't just have a degree and get into aesthetics. It's incredibly hard. Um, And I was trying to get into aesthetics during COVID. So it was even harder because nobody was hiring. So I found Larry through just a virtual lecture that he was giving. And he mentioned that he was based in the villages, which isn't, it's not far from me. So I messaged him and asked him if I could shadow. And then he let me come and shadow him for free, which I thought was so kind of him which he does all the time, by the way. Um, So he let me come shadow him. And then I asked him again, can I come again and come again? And then I realized, like, I love this guy. Like, he is so loving, so willing to educate, so willing to give his time. And mind you, I had to commute an hour every time I saw him. So two hours of commuting. But then I realized this was my in, like, there's no way I'm going to get into a facility that will train me, that will set me up to be the provider I want to be. I'm going to have to commute. So I harassed him and I said, I'll work for you for free. If you just train me, I'm not going anywhere. I'll sign a non-compete. I'm so in love with this, this facility that you've created and just the person that you are and with Dr. Sora's there, who's an incredible educator. I'm like, this is the team that I want to be with. And I was willing to work for free. Now, I did have the luxury of having the income from the gyms to support me. And my husband was super supportive. But I literally offered to work for free just to be trained and work for free as his assistant. So an assistant to a a PA. (laughs) So it was taking 10 steps back. And then they developed the fellowship and asked me to be the first um, fellow to go through the program. And it just opened so many doors for me. I mean, to have that training from Larry Blevins, who you guys know as Captain Cosmetic, and then Dr. Sorez, who is the most incredible educator. Like I, you can't, you could, you couldn't buy that training. I mean, it was day to day, hands on, every single day. I learned from the best, and but it's hard. It's hard to get into the aesthetic industry. I have a, I have so many people that are like, "How did you do it?" I'm like, honestly, it was a little bit of being willing to take steps back and to not get paid what you feel or what you deserve to be paid as, as your degree says. But in this industry, you do, you have to be humble and you have to start from square one and be willing to, to do that and to make those sacrifices. And thankfully I had a supportive family that was like, sure, you can drive two hours a day. Sure. You can do all of these things, but I, I'm so glad that I took those steps back because i felt i was able to take a giant leap forward and be able to be a confident safe and great provider
0: oh yeah you could you couldn't put a price tag on what you received. i mean no i, I know larry I, everyone knows i love larry he's like he's my my, my dude i love him to death he is phenomenal at injecting at business at the, looking at the industry, you know, perspective. I think people lose sight of that. To be able to train with someone who is at a caliber like Larry or Julie Bass Kaplan or you know even Yvonne delos all these people who are so good to train with them every day, day in day out, next you know shoulder to shoulder, is invaluable as a provider mm-hmm. who is learning the is the industry, learning the business to then go on and be successful later on. Otherwise, we had a, a guest on who who airs this week. You know, you wait for five, six, seven years to get that good. Like, think of all the time you waste and you burn when you could have done an accelerated program to your point for six months, and now you come out and you're like a really great injector with a really good idea of what you should be doing. Um, I think it's, what, 100 100 different procedures that that they have to watch with you or hours they have to do with you. Like, I saw there's all these requirements there on the fellowship. So, I mean, it's a very robust program, and I think it's um, the only one of its kind right now in our industry. I don't know if you you know if it is or isn't, but I feel like it's the only one that's really non-position related right now in the industry that's saying here's the standard we should be measured by let's go train against it and then when you come out you'll be able to do you know xyz with with to your point safety efficacy um you know durability all the things you want to have have done so i think it's a great choice you've made i, I would make the same choice for me so good job alexis you did, you did good <laughs>
1: thank you yeah it was it was a, a pretty incredible program and d- dr Soares is so pro mid-levels um he truly wants to um, bring in only NPs and, and PAs into the program to really support, um, our community. And I think that's incredible to create a standardization of in the aesthetic industry. I mean, we, we have to take, uh, an exam at the end. We do publications while we're in the fellowship. Like it really is, it's not just a, a little certification weekend course. I mean, it's truly an intensive, um, like all consuming program. It's awesome. When
0: well, you you made a point there about, you know, getting paid less than what you might perceive your worth because of your degree. I think that's a great point that we miss in this industry particularly um, is that no one comes out of school prepared to be an injector, right? We don't cover that in medical school and nursing school. So really no one here comes out prepared to make what they should be worth, you know, for their degree level if they were doing a more traditional form of medicine. So kind of with that in mind, coming from cardiology, which is, you know, top of the food chain, into this with years of gaps in between, like what was your perspective? Because I think a lot of new injectors who are coming into this industry feel like they should walk into a practice demand what they want to get paid with no experience because they have you know xyz degree and they think it should just all happen for them i work in corporate america i know that's how corporate america works and we're always like huh that's cute you you're not there yet you know here you're, you're gonna make half that money good luck with that but medicine's very different so how did you kind of adjust your mindset or prepare for that knowing that you had to kind of cut your teeth first if we could really get paid what you think you're worth
1: i think i mean i honestly didn't realize the danger. Um, of being an injector without true training um, until I went through the fellowship program. Now, I didn't have a job as an injector prior to the fellowship. It was truly, I went from cardiology to gym to harassing Larry to um, let me assist him. So I didn't have a syringe in hand and thank God I didn't. I mean, the reality is, is that there is such a responsibility when you hold that syringe and I truly probably, I mean, I could have, I had job offers. I had not job offers. I had, they accepted my interview, but it didn't feel right. There was something strange about a clinic hiring an injector that never injected before and was willing to just give them their entire patient list. And I I just felt uncomfortable. I had one clinic offer me a role, um, I think because I had a business mind saying, it was literally I would be the only provider there. The entire patient list would go to me, and I had never even injected one patient. And going through the fellowship, I realized how dangerous that is. And I think I, I honestly, unless you walk into a clinic that is really pro-education and pro-training and is going to send you to conferences and and trainings to set you up for success. I would really be hesitant to accept a job that isn't like that, that it's like, oh, you haven't injected. It seems like they'd maybe be taking advantage of the fact that they could probably pay you less because you don't have experience. But I think the reality is, is that things can go bad really fast. And you have to be willing to take a few steps back. I, I think even if it means putting you in a little bit of a financial strain, I think it's totally worth saving your license because god forbid you don't have that i mean i have a relationship with dr sores who's my medical director that i can call him at 2 a.m and say oh crap like this is going down it's never happened but i know that i have the ability to do that with him and that's important and because things go bad fast and you have to be trained and you have to be able to recognize things that go bad as an injector and know and have your protocols in place. And if I would have accepted any of those jobs that were like, yeah, sure. You're great. You're cute. You're bubbly. You have energy. Like, here's my patient list. It would have been, I can't even imagine the position I would have been in multiple times. So having, I didn't know that. So going into it, I knew that I, I had a great feeling about Larry and Dr. soros And I knew I wanted to work with them, but I had no idea what I was getting into as far as medical responsibility that we have as injectors so in hindsight i'm like so happy it happened but to be honest it was more of this is a great opportunity and i'm willing to take 10 steps back to work for them and with them um and i'm just grateful i did
0: man i think that you what you just said is our industry right now in a nutshell um with the influx of people coming over to aesthetics who want to work here that have no idea yet what they're doing, right? They're brand new from the bedside. Um, you mentioned the word like taking advantage of. I think so. One thing you can pay them less, but also, you know, we see so much private equity money, so much um, big funding, you know, corporate med spas popping up. And those people who own those don't often understand the medical implications of what we do here, right? They don't understand the dangers and the risks and even just the patient satisfaction problems. And so they would say, This Alexis is adorable. She's cute as a button. She's, you know, a PA, bubbly, all the things. Let's hire her and give her a patient list and she'll figure it out as she goes. Yeah, I think there are some amazing big, I think I think of Skin Spirit, amazing big chains who train you. I mean, gosh, they train and train and train and train and train before you get to go into your own med spa and you know and start working. But there's lots who don't. And I think there is such a risk right now that how many of you are out there, you know, how many Alexis are out there saying Sure, I'll take the job. I don't know. I don't know any different. I don't have a Larry Blevins to step in and save me. And then we start to see adverse events and problems, and or we just don't help them. You know, new injectors are are not well supported in this industry. They're just really not unless the, unless the industry comes in and helps, like a Galderma and Allergan. They're kind of left on their own to figure it out, which is so sad because there's so many great programs out there to train. But I think you you got very lucky. I don't know if it was coincidence or happenstance, but you found a wonderful home. Um, but you mentioned your business brain, and I think it is interesting for you. You, you own businesses, but you've chosen to stay as an entrepreneur inside of someone else's business. Uh, is that because your business cup is being full or being filled somewhere else, or you just, to your point, are still learning and growing and want to stay there and, and kind of, you know, keep doing what you're doing right now with with the crew there?
1: Honestly, probably both. I think it's refreshing. I mean, we all know as as entrepreneurs, when you walk into your business and all of a sudden the Wi-Fi is down, you're getting a phone call that somebody didn't show up for their shift. Um, the, as far as gyms are concerned, a trainer. Got sick and and is running late for a class. Whatever the case may be, you're being I as an as an owner of a business. You are truly there to put out fires, and that's what I do all day long with my gyms. That it's refreshing to go in with just to focus on my patients. I don't have to if the Wi-Fi is down. I, I love the practice, but it's not my problem. You know what I mean. And it's it's nice to go in and truly just focus on my craft. And my skills and my patience, and it's just refreshing now with that being said i will always have my entrepreneur hat and i hope to grow within the vip family and hopefully one day have a second location for them that i can run for them but right now my cup my entrepreneur cup is very full and it's it's just nice to have that focus on the patients versus the wi-fi being down <laughs>
0: Yeah, we were just talking before this started that I, I owned own two CrossFit gyms uh, before I got into aesthetics, and I'm very glad. Actually, for the first two years I was in aesthetics, I was a sales rep traveling all over the state of Arkansas, coming in at night, you know, coaching mornings, coaching evenings, um, trying to write programming with you know my ex husband, like the whole thing, just crazy. And again, to your point, coaches don't show up. the, the toilet breaks. The lights aren't working. It was so exhausting for me to think about having to be great at my job and also be running a business that that's why people ask me about AR all the time. Like, I don't own this business and I don't want to. Like, I let someone else worry about that. I've done my entrepreneurial thing for at least the time being. I have, I've, I've done my, um, my duty. I've, I've earned my stripes. I'm good for now because it's nice to walk in and I, and I do all that here, by the way, I have the responsibility of an owner here without having to own it, but financially someone else has to take the burden, not me, you know, in the gyms, you know, this apparel doesn't make you got to cover it personally, like you got to go in your checking account and figure it out, which luckily that doesn't happen often, at least, you know, I'm sure with yours, it doesn't. But in the beginning, it does. There are days you have to cover things yourself and covers, you know, had to buy your own air bikes and your own barbells and weights. and you know, I self funded the gym, when we started it personally funded it. And then you don't really pay yourself back. So I think it's a whole I think people think about entrepreneurship as a very sexy concept. But when you've done it, Sometimes it, it loses its luster a little bit. I would say that, but all that to say, um, within your business brain, you mentioned to me in one of our, our discussions that you feel like we're all entrepreneurs now, even with social media, with your own patient load. Walk me through that. Like, how do you attack your entrepreneurship? You know, kind of mindset within your business, w- within working for VIP, with social media, your own personal brand. How do you facilitate all that while also being an employee of someone else? I um. Well, we.
1: I feel like especially this is the only, I feel like, branch of medicine that we can truly be these like non-traditional forms of entrepreneurs. So like while we might not be the traditional definition of an entrepreneur where we have our name on that LLC, um, we all function like little business owners with our social medias. We We are constantly engaging and capturing new patients via social media, we're creating content. We all have these kind of like small businesses within um, our own like branch or our own um, med spa or location. And I'm lucky enough to be in a, a group that allows me to grow like my independent brand within their brand. I still use the VIP, which is the Village Institute of Plastic Surgery name, and I'm proud to wear that. But I'm also the Orlando injector within that brand. So I think it's really fun what this industry allows us to do. So we don't have the LLC or the pressures of the LLC, like you mentioned, when you can't hit payroll, but that's coming out of your checking account. Um, When a trainer doesn't show up, you're your members are still paying for a membership so you're showing up to train that class so that's a lot of pressure and i think it's it's nice that we can still kind of have a sense of identity and a sense of self i know as a cardiology pa i was just a number i just i got a list of patients in the morning and i walked in and i took care of them and i went home there was no identity there i they could have replaced me in 2 seconds so with this like i do feel i have a sense of like my own small business within the VIP group. Um, And I think that's really cool. I think we should all be proud and take pride in our, our individual brands within a family. And then maybe you branch out on your own, whatever the future holds. But I think, I think it's important to like to support that brand and to, to be that brand and to live that brand, but still under uh, respect the house that you're in at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think being a business owner, you probably see it differently. I think about loyalty and about retention of employees. Um, mm-hmm. We had a person on the podcast this season who's been with her her physician for 13 years. She's been an injector working there, helping to build his business. But she talked a lot about loyalty and about, you know, just knowing that I've invested so much time here and my energy and my love for this place that to leave on a whim just seems crazy. And I think about that a lot with injectors. They come and go so much of like, go build a brand somewhere. You know, like you're going to build your brand there and it's going to be attached to VIP. You know, in many ways, but it's also gonna be your own brand. But you can go, you can still go deep and cultivate an amazing brand while working under someone else. Think about, like, I think about Mars, Nestle, all these brands, like Purina dog food, right? That's Nestle. They're, they built their own brand underneath the Nestle name. Like, it's very common in corporate America. It's a, it's the normal here. But for some reason, in aesthetics, people get very scared of it. Like it's a threatening, competitive thing. I don't see Larry being threatened by much at all, or or Danny. But <laughs> I think that what you're choosing to do is. What will become the new normal? Because at some point we can't keep opening med spots, right? We can't keep opening locations and locations and locations. At some point we're going to kind of consolidate as an industry. And so get used to it now. Learn how to build a brand inside of a brand because that's going to be, I think, the future in the next, you know, three to five years. But all that to say, as you're doing all this, you're also a brand new mom. Um, You're 15 months into this gig. So let's talk about that. How are you planning all these things that you're doing? Again, guys, she owns multiple fitness centers. She has her job as a PA and she's a new mom how do you do all of this at once and still look so freaking good all the time? Let's that's what I really want to know is how do you stay so in shape and get all this stuff done?
1: Honestly, I, I, well, one for sure. I have amazing support at home. If I didn't have that support, I, I wouldn't be able to be an injector. I wouldn't be able to run my gyms. I, I truly do have an amazing support system. Um, I'm holding on by floss every day. Like I, you know, like I do not have it all together. I mean, social media is, is baloney. And I think, I think it's important um, that we talk about the behind the scenes of what we juggle as these career women and balancing motherhood and keeping a happy household and keeping your husband or your spouse or partner happy and fulfilled. It's, it's hell and chaos what we juggle every single day. I mean, the amount of work that we do prior to even seeing our first patient in the morning from, I mean, getting daycare bags together and, and lunches and getting our stuff. Like the last thing we're doing is putting on our own makeup and running out the door. Like it's very surprising how I get myself together every day. I mean, thank God for dry shampoo. But honestly, like it's it's absolutely incredible. I find that the way I function is very much I'm I'm completely fueled by productivity. I'm my husband would say my love language is crossing things off a list, honestly. And he's not wrong. I'm I'm triggered when I feel like I'm not progressing in life. I mean, I'm very career focused and to be honest, I didn't have that burning desire to be a mom. If it weren't for my husband, who was kind of the catalyst behind it, I was very much more of the career driven woman. I was raised by a single mom who had to work multiple jobs to keep a a roof over our head. So for me, a a financial freedom and a, a thriving, successful, passionate career to me was very important. And it's tough the the pressures that we face as career women and we're so focused on having these beautiful careers but at the same time there's that pressure of well you have to have a baby I mean what's what's the first question you get after you get married when are you having a baby it's just immediate it's like the ring slides on the finger and they're like okay so when are you having a baby and that is that was terrifying to me I mean being a career focused woman that shook me to my core. I mean, I was terrified of losing my independence, terrified of losing my drive, my hustle, my my body, terrified of losing it all and having to slow down because of a family. And while I'm so happy I did, I mean, it's it's real the pressures that we face, wanting to be career women, but also wanting to keep that traditional sense of or traditional view of a woman and being family focused. And I think it's important in our industry that we talk about everything that we juggle. I mean, it is truly complete chaos. And I think one person that does it really well is injector bunny. I think she has an incredible social media presence where she talks about her son throwing up on her and she's running late for a flight and then the flight is delayed. And then she shows up late and her hair is like stuck to her face. And that's real, What's not real is the amount of times that I went like this and I'm messing with my hair and I'm like, and I'm just sitting here prim and proper. What's on the other side of this screen is what's real. It's the fact that I'm doing this on a beer pong table and this is my beautiful background. That's real. And I think it's really cool um, what we juggle. I mean, we are true superheroes. And so I don't have it all together. And anybody who says they do, they don't. We're, we're, surviving and we're taking it one day at a time. And one thing that gets me through my day is my list. Honestly, my list, my day is planned out hour by hour every single day. And that's how I survive. And if I don't get it done today, I'll get it done tomorrow. And I try not to put too much pressure on myself, but being a type A personality, I definitely do. But I think, I think it's important to talk about so that people don't feel that they're alone when their kid just grew up or blew out their diaper in the car on their scrubs. And you're like, crap, like I have to be late now because I have to go get scrubs. So it, that's, that's real life. And I think that's beautiful and it should be talked about more.
0: You know, it's interesting you mentioned Erica. That's why I felt okay. bringing Christian to aesthetic next this year. Because Erica always has Baby Jack Jack on her Instagram, and everyone, I love it. I love to watch that little boy grow up. He's brushing his teeth now with her toothbrush, and he's got his little um, LeBron James stuffed animal. But I feel like I know her little boy because I see him on Instagram all the time. And so Christian's been begging me to come to my work, you know, quote unquote, to my work for years. And I'm like, no, you're a little boy. Like, it's not the right place for you. And this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring him. Like, let him be on stage with me. He wants to be on stage. He wants to to see what I do all day. And he absolutely loved it. And the feedback I had, Alexis, from him being there was like, it was like a family event, right? Like bring your kid, bring your kid to work. But I would have never done that before. Even in corporate America, I worked for Galderma for years. Everyone's a mom there too. But there is a stigma when you work in corporate America that if you have to leave work because your kid is sick or work before COVID, work from home day was like, I mean, how could you even think about doing that work from home? Like, that's insane. Send your kid to the babysitter, come to work. You know, there was a big difference before COVID, I think, even about being from home. But, you know, I was kind of raised in a time where having kids was a thing you didn't talk about like you you know even my own parents like you just it was a dis it was an inconvenience to everyone around you that you had children like at the restaurant at church you know these like loud kids in the back of the room like oh I have to have kids and so I kind of grew up not wanting children like I had no desire to have kids at all I mean you mentioned that you weren't really eager I wasn't either Christian was an oopsie surprise and I remember grieving like grieving for months and months about losing who I was because I was having a baby. And even when he was born, grieving the person I was before he was born, like, who is she? She's dead now. Now I have a holding responsibility, a new life. Everything is different today versus yesterday because I have a baby now. And I remember just thinking like the impact of that on my life. And now, you know, nine years later, it's much better, much easier. But I agree with you that those first three years for me were brutal. And I was traveling nonstop and trying to figure out how to be a mom and a wife and a business person and no one talked about that. It was almost like a taboo secret. I had no friends with kids back then. Now all my friends have kids, but I was like alone on an island. So I I can agree with you that it's a lonely place sometimes. We should be celebrating our motherhood far more in this industry. At least I think we should.
1: I agree. And, and being at Aesthetic Next um, this year, I was so happy that you brought him. I thought that was really cool because you know what I saw? I mean, w- we're virtually meeting today, but what I saw when you walked up on stage is instantly I thought about everything that you juggled to make sure that he had childcare, make sure he was taken care of all the, all the nights that you spent away from him uh, preparing for the conference. I mean, it's a powerhouse conference that wasn't thrown together in a week. Like you had a lot of, you had to sacrifice a lot. And I think I think talking about that more and the sacrifice of, of going to conferences and going to trainings and being apart from your family is real. I mean, I think, I think you bringing him on made a bigger wave of an impact than you think. Because me not having even met you yet was like, damn, like I know what she's probably going through on a small scale because I've never put together an event like that. But I can imagine the nights that you stayed late at work, that he put himself to sleep, whatever the case may be, just the sacrifice that you made and he makes from not having you there. I mean, I just, I, I think you should do that every year because that was a really cool connection into who you were as a woman and an entrepreneur and everything that you do on a daily. It was a snapshot of your life in two seconds, bringing him on stage. So it was really cool.
0: But you know it's funny that you just mentioned about Eric and the puking and all that. I come off stage, I go upstairs to my room, and he's like, "Mom, take my shoes off. Mom, take my clothes off. Mom, change my shirt." And I'm like, "Dress. I'm still in a full-on evening gown at this point, right? Like dressing him. He wants to be coddled and held, and you know, all fix my hair again, like all the things." And I looked at my mother-in-law, who I guess is now my ex-mother-in-law, but we still call her that, and I said, "Gosh, this isn't nearly as glamorous as I think it is, right? Like appearing this in this ball gown, like changing my little boy's shoes and his socks because his feet hurt, like it." it's you get snap back to reality instantly when you have kids but in a day-to-day at your house like okay because your husband is
1: he working the gyms with you your husband does he do his own career own thing so my husband's orlando um swat um so he has his own career he does nothing with the gyms which i'm glad i like keeping business and personal separate because i have had relationships within business and while i love him to death still um, business was the reason we're no longer together. And it just, I love being able to just come home and I can vent to my husband anytime, but I keep it separate as much as I can. I mean, the reality is I come home I'm like, let me tell you. And he listens, but he's separate from the business. And I, I like that. So no, he has his own career. (laughs)
0: Well, so with that in mind, because I did the gyms with my ex-husband, which was, you know, again, it's too much togetherness. But yeah. he has his own career. You have you have two careers plus you have a baby. You know, for those who are listening right now, thinking to themselves, like I can't fit it all in even now. Like, how do you manage to have time to to have a marriage? Like forget, you know, being a mom, I think we always just do that. Like we're just built that way. Our kids come first, even if we don't want them to, you know, the Bible says it should be your husband first, the whole thing. It's still about your kids. You will go to the end of the earth for your kids. And the husband gets left out all the time or the wife, depending on the career, you know, who we're talking about here. How do you make time to keep your marriage intact with everything else going on? I think you just wanted like a little mini vacation or a two day jaunt somewhere recently. So tell us how that works.
1: I honestly, I try, I suck at it. One, um, I, I truly am date night can be a trigger for me because I feel like I'm not doing anything productive, but I realized the past couple of years that when my marriage feels solid, when I feel like we're vibing and we're on the same page and we're just grooving and things are just easy, I feel like I can conquer the world and I've learned to protect my marriage above all else. And because I truly I truly do feel that when he's good, when his needs are met, my life is so much easier. <laughs> so while there are nights that I don't want to perform, I do it because life is just better. And at the end of the day, I'm super type A and I love to, my life is work, work, work. My entire life is work, work, work. And I find myself shoving my personal life in there, like shoving Play-Doh in a keyhole. Like, I really live a work life and then I'm just like peppering in personal. And while some people are like, that sounds horrible, I love to work. So like, it's not horrible for me, but what I do need to do is not just pepper in personal, but make more, make it more of a priority. And I do struggle with that. So my husband actually, surprisingly asked me to go on a date night tonight cause he knows that how excited I was to do this podcast, but we don't, I mean, we try to make time for each other, but I mean, days and nights and weeks go by and and we don't. And we try to at least at the end of the night, have conversation and talk about our day and just have a little bit of intimacy, even if it's just 10 minutes, like at least we're connecting. But the reality is, is I, I have to make it a priority. And if you don't make it a priority, if, then it's just going to go to crap. You know what I mean? So like the reality is, is even when you have a million things going on, you have to make the things that you love a priority and whether it's easy or not, I mean, it's the reality. So the nights that I don't want to, I do. So just be, I mean, that's real. We're tired. I just injected 13 patients. I go, I pick up Brooklyn from daycare. I come home. I make his lunch for, for work the next day. I try to watch half an episode of Real Housewives and I'm doing patient notes and I'm doing, there's so much crap going on and I'm answering calls from the gym. It's, it's pure chaos all the time. So I always, this is weird but i always remind myself that it's just 10 minutes like just get like just it's 10 minutes like enjoy him enjoy the baby like i find i find myself doing the when she's tapping my leg i find myself doing the like okay baby just just give me a minute just give me a minute and the other day i saw this incredible tiktok and it was a video of the baby's perspective of what they see when you're constantly like, mommy just needs five more minutes. Let me just send this email and I'll I'll play with you with a puzzle. And it was their version of what they see. And it's constant. We're constantly doing that as, as career women and busy women. And it was eye opening for me. And I never want to be that mom because why are we working so hard? It's to provide for our families. But if we don't, Love on our families because we're so busy, then what's the point of it all? So I struggle with it every day, but I really try to make my marriage a priority um, because I truly feel that when we're good, I can do anything.
0: Yeah, I will be very transparent and tell you that the first three to four years of Christian's life, I didn't have time for him. Like, that's terrible to say, but I was so busy. I was on the road constantly. Um, I was fortunate that his dad is a phenomenal parent and we will get on the floor and play with them and would we'll build Legos and do all the things I couldn't do because I was constantly on the road. And when I was home, I was just so tired because I was home from, you know, two weeks of travel and it just didn't fit in my life in that moment because I was trying to grow our, you know, grow our our family and our money and the whole thing. But I look at it now and I'm so sad of all the time that I missed and so resentful of myself for having not been so present because I was busy building things. So probably yeah. the last three to four months, I've really buckled down and focused on like when he's at home, the computer gets turned off, which my entire team knows from me is very hard. So I stay up all night long to accommodate. So I, I'm with him in the night. He goes to bed at around you know 930 or so. I sleep with him for like an hour and then I get up and I work all night long because I can't work when he's there. So I work from like 11 at night until four in the morning, go to bed for an hour or two, get back up and work again. So I'm exhausted, like completely freaking exhausted 24 seven. But I can't not get the work done. And so I've just figured out how to make my life work so I can get all the work done and still be a mom. So it's taken extreme sacrifices for my personal health, mental health to do it. But there is no other choice for me right now. And so hopefully I get out of this, no. you know, this working thing at some point. But to your point, to make it all work and to do big conferences and all these fun things and to inject 13 patients a day and to have gyms and you just sacrifice. But, um, you know, I think there's a partner you said, just it's just 10 minutes. I think about that all the time. Like Just give them 30 minutes. Just give them 10 minutes. Like, then that's their whole, all they want from you, right? Just a little bit of time with you to do it. But I think about that, too, and just, you know, having your freeing your schedule as they say so that you have time to really be part of your family and not just working all the time to your point for your family who you never actually get to see so um, and i know it's challenging but all that to say and you know as an injector coming up the ranks obviously you've got good pedigree behind you very good pedigree so your star is going to rise very very quickly one things that one of the things i see about the family dynamic and aesthetics is all of a sudden the wife or you know the female whoever she is becomes very, very successful, overnight celebrity kind of vibe. Instagram followers blow up. They're on podiums everywhere. And all of a sudden, there's like a bit of a jealousy or um, a resentment that, you know, I'm still in the same job I was in six months ago or six years ago. And now you're this famous injector and this famous person who's on Instagram and TikTok doing all these things. Who are you? So what kind of plans do you sort of have in your mind about, you know, when this thing explodes, and I'm sure that it will for you very soon, how you'll handle that with everything else as well?
1: Are you asking how I'll handle it like in my marriage as far as just in, general,
0: just in general, just in life in general. Like all of a sudden, I have a good friend who's like, you know, before I was a regular physician, like doing medicine, you know, normal things. Now I go to a restaurant, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're here. And they want to, you know, they want to see me and talk to me. And like being, you know, being noticed, um, like in the celebrity way for the first time and like having followers and people who want to, you know, be around you, that's a kind of a different world, especially having kids and a husband and a life. So, will you fit that in? Is that one of your goals is to kind of have this like influencer celebrity vibe and and do all that part of injecting along with also being, you know, a great injector, business owner, et cetera.
1: I don't know if I have a desire to be like an aesthetic influencer. Um, But I have a desire to have respect in the industry and to sit at the table with the elite. I mean, just the lineup that you've had on this podcast is absolutely incredible. And, and people I look up to every single day and follow and feel like I'm their best friend. Cause I know everything that they're doing every day, but um, it's not about, for me, it's not about being an influencer. And I, I've kind of gotten that with my, my gym side of, um, or my gym hat that I wear. And honestly, It means nothing. It it really like the, the influencer world really means nothing. And I, I don't care for it. And my husband is so anti social media. He doesn't care when I'm telling he's like the worst, best Instagram husband, because I'll ask him to take video. And he's like, you look fine. And I'm like, I look like an ogre, take it again. And I make him take it like 15 more times. But Honestly, like I just, I want to deliver incredible results, and I want to showcase them, and I want to have conversations with the people who have paved the way in our aesthetic industry. And I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think the influencer comes with the respect, and I think the people in our industry, most of the people in our industry that are considered aesthetic influencers influencers, are those who have built respect and that expertise and I would love to sit at the table with them one day. I'm a very small fish in this aesthetic pond but I think I think it would be incredible for if that were a role or a place in my future because um, that would mean that I'm I have something to say and that people want to hear what I say and I've just created that respect that that all of these people that I look up to every single day have so, I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. I mean, I'm just trying to get through today. <laughs> uh,
0: same. You mentioned hanging on by dental floss. Yes, I agree with you. That's me every day. But, you know, I think it is a reality here that we don't talk about nearly enough. Um, I think when you're a real celebrity, like in, in real Hollywood, you talk about it a lot. Like being a celebrity, what does that mean? What is it like to have your whole life on display? And you, know, you mentioned even Erica. You know, her whole life is on is on Instagram. You know, her everything she does is on Instagram. Um, and I think there's pressure with that of always looking good. And she's done a great job of like being her real self. But people who have overly curated feeds and they have to—that's like, me, right? I don't want to be an ogre on Instagram. I'm just like you know, like I want to look, at, look at, you know, like a human. So I think that there is a lot of pressure there to maintain appearances, um, to be at the right conferences, to be seen in the right groups of people. Like I think about that a lot too. It's just the money to travel and go to all these conferences all the time and to be part of this in crowd. I mean, I run with a, a group of women who have. You know, great careers, and lots of money and lots of travel and fun things. But I can't keep up, guys. I've got, you know, I'm a single mom at home with my kid. I can't go do all the fun things that you can do. There's just, I have to know how to say no. But there is a celebrity thing here that we don't talk about enough. And I think as a mother, as a wife, as a, you know, business partner – it's a. It can be a very hard thing uh, to work into your current life. It's, it's a hard road to hoe and to, to learn how to become a celebrity. And I think your fitness page has lots of followers, so you are used to being a celebrity in that regard. So I think you're kind of you're less um, new to it than anybody else. But I think it's something here that we don't talk about, you know, just kind of those best kept secrets. That's one of them. But all that to say, you're, you know, you're two years into injecting three years into the industry with fellowship, with being with Larry. What comes next for you to get that seat at the table? Is it you know presenting at conferences? is it publishing? Is it what is your next step in your plan to get where you want to go? Because I have a feeling that if you make your mind up to do it, you will do it. So what's next on your on your docket?
1: I want to kind of take the educational path um, and create publications where people reference them. And I think, um, I'm working on a couple with Dr. Sorez. one in particular that I'm really excited about and we're hoping to get really good results. We're just in the middle of it. So hopefully those final photos come with what we expect, but I think publishing and, and leaving your mark in those incredible medical journals is important and then presenting on them, not necessarily presenting on like fun, aesthetic things, but like more of like, this is what we published and this is what i want to talk to you about and this is what we found and and really trying to um really trying to what's the word just add to the medical industry the aesthetic industry versus just creating cute tiktoks and stuff like that which i love to do i really want to add value and i think taking the educational route and hopefully publishing and showing techniques that somebody may not know. Um, We're we're creating a new technique for um, lip lines in particular, um, those pesky lip lines that nobody likes. Um, So hopefully our final results are incredible and we can publish them and then maybe I can present it one day. And I'm open, honestly, like even being on this podcast is something that I never thought I would do. So every day I feel like, another door opens and I'm taking that opportunity another door opens and I don't actually, doors don't open. They like slant open and I kind of just barge through like a bowl. Um, That's how I got into um, Larry. But I, I'm excited for the future. I think this industry moves really, really, really fast. And I think with that pace puts a lot of pressure on us to constantly keep up and to constantly be relevant and to constantly be posting because, If for whatever reason, social media, if you're not posting, then you're not doing anything. And that's not true. There's a lot of behind the scenes work going on. But because of how we live in this modern world of technology, you have to constantly keep up and create content. And that puts a lot of pressure. And like we said, we all function like little entrepreneurs with our social medias. And it's just it's a huge juggling every single freaking day. It really is a huge juggling. And we're all just trying to survive and trying to feel fulfilled and appreciated and respected and take care of our patients and love our families and love our kids. And one thing that I do that you mentioned is you try to like close your laptop two hours a night just to be with him. And I do the same thing. I call it a digital detox. And when I'm putting her to bed, I try to leave my phone in a room well across the house because I found that when she was a newborn, I was constantly like this, feeding her and trying to send emails at the same time. And I realized I kind of blacked out those times and I don't have many memories. So I think in what's important as moms and as crazy career injector, boss, babe, women, it's important to have a digital detox for your family every night too, because that text can wait, that post can go up at 9 PM, who cares? You know, it's important to put that phone down and to just be present and to actually look at them and not be sending a text at the same time because it, it definitely weighs on them. I mean, my daughter, I've never shown her how to put on makeup. She's 15 months old and she grabbed my little blender thing and grabbed it off the floor and went like this on her face. She's 15 months, they're watching you. And if they don't see you look at them, they feel that. So I think what you said is so powerful is we're busy and we're going to get this stuff done regardless, whether it's at 4 a.m. or 6 p.m. But making time for the people that you're hustling so hard for is so, so incredibly important. So to answer your question, I have no idea what the future holds, but I, I hope that it's a future where I feel that I am fulfilled as a mom and I feel proud to be the mom that I am, the wife that I am, and the entrepreneur, gym owner, and injector. So I hope that at the end of all of this chaos that I can look back and, and be proud of what I've done. You had
0: two things in there that I want to pull out that I think are really um, pertinent. And one is about publishing. You know, I think as you think about your daughter and your legacy, you know, to your point, what she's looking at, you know, she's looking at you, watching you. In 50 years from now, Instagram will not be a thing anymore. We won't give a shit about Instagram. It'll be gone, long gone. We'll have space pods and Mars, who knows. But medical journals, things like that will sustain forever, right? They're a digital part of our architecture as a country, you know, as an industry. They'll be here forever. I think that publishing is such a a long-term game that when you start doing that, you know I think about Rod Rourke. I don't know if you know him. He's a physician here, and he is like the godfather of plastic surgery. He's here in Dallas. He publishes articles nonstop. You won't, ins- you will not Google plastic surgery not see Rod Rourke's name pop up. That's his legacy forever, not his Instagram posts. So I think that we do have some confusion um, as a country, as a as a world right now. But what is our legacy? It's not Instagram. I can tell you that for sure. I, I work in technology. It won't be around forever. I promise. But as part of that, too, is like as a meeting organizer, I love to see someone who's publishing work and can come talk about it. Because what happens is they want to talk about fun things, frilly things, pop culture things. It's like I need to know the real deal about aesthetic medicine, whether it's injecting, safety, techniques, whatever that may be for you. Like to publish on something and to go talk about that is a very powerful thing for your personal brand and for industry to see you do that and for You know, organizers to see you do that. It's a much different caliber than having a really great Instagram because I take you much more seriously as an injector, as a scientist, as a researcher than I do because you have really good TikTok dances. Not that one's not awesome also. It's just a very different vibe for me. You know, as part of that too, the second thing is you know looking at you long term, all the things that you're gonna do, where you're gonna go, what you're gonna be, you know, be doing is this like your forever thing? Will you be in aesthetics forever? Do you think this is like the place that you have found your footing um, and you'll be, you know, 80 years old, still wanting to be an aesthetic injector just out of sheer curiosity?
1: I don't know, because I never thought I'd be a gym owner, to be honest. And I think every chapter of my life has surprised me. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't have that burning desire to be a mom, but look where I'm at. And I think it's the coolest job that I have out of all the jobs I have. So I I have no idea. I I know right now I'm passionate about it and I want to add value to the industry and I want to be a respected injector. And I know right now it's, it's where I need to be. And who knows, 10 years from now, I might be owning a taco stand. I have no idea because every chapter that I've had, I, I'm surprised by, but I'm also impressed with myself and how like adaptable I can be. Like, this is what I want. I go for it. This is what I want now. I go for it. And I think all of us are like that. I think I think a lot of injectors in our industry are, are that type A go-getter personality, because the reality is, is they likely left corporate medicine to say, this is not for me. I want to be, I want more autonomy. I want more say, I want more power. I want more control. So I think a lot of us have that same kind of story. Um, so 10 years or 20 years, 10 years from now, I definitely think I'll still be in the industry. 20, I have, I have no idea because my life has been so many hard lefts. So, but they've all been great and they've all like built me up to the person that I am today. So I'm, I'm game for whatever life throws at me. Let's go.
0: I love that. Just roll with the punches. Whatever, wherever life takes you, you be ready to go and, you know, be ready to walk in and crush it no matter where you land. I bet you'd have a great taco stand with, you know, a line out of the door for sure. So
1: (laughs) that taco stand's going to be a hit.
0: (laughs) Make sure you have carnitas there. My whole team will go. Um, (laughs) But no, you know, I think you make some great points there about just being adaptable and being fluid. So, as we kind of wrap up here, we haven't really talked about your injection philosophy at all. So, I want to end this with, you know, for our injectors who are listening, give us some ideas from all the things that you've learned with Larry, with the fellowship, you know, in a couple minutes here. Like, what is your injection philosophy? Facial balancing? Is it, you know, regenerative medicine? Give us an idea of how you think about patients in a nutshell.
1: I feel like all of my injection appointments are like therapy sessions. To be honest, I, all of my patients I've really built such connections with, and I want them to come into my chair and just feel so comfortable. I will tell you one thing that just blew my mind with Larry is all of his patients. I'm not kidding. They will come into his chair. I mean, he's been injecting for like a thousand years and they will sit in his chair I kid you not. And just be like, you'll ask him when I was assisting him, you'll ask them like, so what is it you want to do today? And they'll literally lay their head back and just be like, what, whatever Larry thinks. And to just have that relationship, that blind trust as with, with your provider is exactly what I strive to be. And not to like take advantage and to make a bunch of money and to push 12 syringes in their face, but to just what i want for my future and my patients is to have that beautiful relationship where they come in and they'll be like alexis will just tell me what she thinks and i trust her i trust her hands i trust her mind and i trust her heart and in the meantime we're going to talk shit and have fun and she's going to leave me feeling powerful like i can conquer the world and i feel like that's just that's my philosophy it's it's just be a good person have fun doing what you're doing. Deliver great results. Be safe. And don't, I think it should be patients first and money second. And I I just want to build that, that strong bond with my patients where they can come in one day and just be like, whatever Alexis wants. I think it's, it's truly the cutest thing to see. All these uh, like 75-year-old women, they're just like, whatever Larry wants. And I'm like, okay, Larry, whatever you want. And it's great. And I think it's something to look up to and something to aspire to, to be as an injector where they just trust you blindly.
0: I bet Larry Blevins runs the villages. I bet he is like the the man in charge down there, all those little ladies.
1: <laughs> Dude, we go out to dinner and literally they're all just like, Larry, Larry, Larry. Like he's literally refaced the entire villages. <laughs> Like he literally has, and him and Dr. Soras Dr. Soares with his mind blowing facelifts, like they have literally completely had a mass overhaul on all of the villages. They, they're definitely respected as huge celebrities in the villages for sure.
0: So the villages are prettier and less aged because your clinic exists is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> everyone looks everyone looks better. Well, for the record, you have been a great guest. and I'm so glad that we got to talk about family today and about motherhood and about the challenges that we all face and also about your own journey. I think that you've got an amazing runway in front of you. Obviously, you were a very hard worker who was incredibly bright and I'm sure a fantastic injector, especially with the training that you've had. So I see for you giant things ahead. I can't wait for you to publish your article. Come be on podium next year at A.N. and speak in our, in our fifth year uh, and tell us all about, you know, what, what you find. And I think the fellowship that you've done, I think you're a big proponent of that. You promote it quite a bit. Um, You talk about it a lot on on your Instagram. And so I think that, you know, your experiences there have paved a way as the first one to ever have done it, have paved a way for a lot of injectors to come in and have a really great rewarding experience because of what you were able to do. So uh, kudos to you and all your success, rapid success. I'm sure it doesn't feel rapid at all. I'm sure it feels like it's taken forever. But um, I just I think that you've got a a big, bright future ahead of you. So I'm so glad you came on to our show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. From seeing you on stage with Christian, and to here now, like it's truly, I feel like I've made it. Like Mama, I've made it. Like it's, it's truly. You are so respected in our industry, and everybody has the most beautiful, lovely things to say about you. So thank you for sharing this hour with me, and and for inviting me on. It's been an honor.
0: Well, that means so much. That made my whole my whole day. I appreciate that. You know, I think work hard, be a good person, and do good things, and hopefully you enrich other people's lives so for those of you who are listening happy thanksgiving happy black friday and we will see all of you again next week and lexus thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you so much
0: bye guys thanks for listening to another episode of for the record this podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice it's for entertainment education and information purposes only For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and
1: surviving in the aesthetics industry.